Welcome to the Design Exchange Podcast, hosted by Danny Russo and Melinda Peters-Elliott. Listen in to get tips from the top. With over 40 years of design experience between these two, you will gain valuable information for your interior design business or in hiring a designer for your own home. Danny and Melinda's design aesthetic may be very different, but they both offer a unique view on how to approach a project and are extremely entertaining to listen to. So grab your favorite beverage and prepare to learn and laugh a little too. Without further ado, here are Danny and Melinda. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Melinda Peters Elliott here with my husband, Mark Elliott, with the Design Exchange. Danny's having a Danny day today, so I told him I would take it over. I had a little topic I wanted to talk about with Mark, and I I think you will all very much appreciate this interview. My husband is an expert salesperson, I would say. (laughs) He's rolling his eyes. (laughs) So say hi, Mark. Hello, everybody. (laughs) So Mark has been in sales for, well, longer than I have. Well, maybe not. We've been in it about the same amount of time probably, but I call him more of an expert at it than I am. And right um, back when we met, that's one of the things we had in common. So I remember sitting sitting with him and realizing like, wow, we have a lot in common because we both have to sell. So tell them tell them your what you were selling when I met you. You can tell them. You tell them. I was on a used car lot. <laughs> <clears throat> he was selling used cars. So and it was so funny. Well, you act like you're going to say something. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a little funny story to tell you. And then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this. But so I picked Mark up on a used car lot. Yes, I did. <laughs> Sounds pretty seedy, doesn't it? <laughs> but here's, here's the backstory with all this. So I was, I had gone to church with a friend of mine and we were, we had to go to, um, the, the used car lot after church because she was looking for a car and we we're both single and we were just like kind of wasting time, but she really needed a new car. So we went to this car lot and, um, we were kind of roaming around and I see this guy and he, he's coming out of the, and I'm like, I know you from something. And it was Mark. And I, yeah, I didn't know his name, but I'm like, I remember you from something. And I gave him, I, do you remember me giving you a big hug? I think. I, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it was like a old friend. I'm like, I don't remember why I know this guy, but he was, like a friend, I thought, oh, I'm going to give him a hug, and so we were, you know, we, I was just like, I can't even remember why I know you, but, you know, so, and I think, I think that um, I started thinking back, and Mark had been a salesperson for me, and I think it was, we, we tracked it back to about three years prior, about that, about that amount of time, he was at another um, dealership. A dealership, a new car dealership. New Andrews, but, uh, okay. Ahead. 
So I went in to trade my vehicle. And tell them a little bit about what that looked like when I went in to trade. Well, basically, she was buried in her car. (laughs) To the tune of, what, $12,000 or something? At least. (laughs) At least. It was ugly. It was ugly. So I advised her to run it till the wheels fall off. And I think she was stuck in a lease, and she definitely miled out on it. She went way over the miles. So I told her, I said, you're better off just to, you know, ride it till the wheels fall off because you don't want to roll that into anything new. It's hard to get into something newer when you have that kind of negative equity. Yeah. So I was just upfront and honest with her, you know, um, you know, and I told her I wouldn't lease a car again. You yeah. Know? And that's, you know, what you do for your clients. You know, you want to be truthful with them. Yeah. So, so they're well educated and, you know, yeah. they'll be a better customer for you in the future. Yeah. Uh, I was dumbfounded as a customer. I could not believe that I found the only car salesman that was honest in the whole wide world. (laughs) (laughs) There's a bad connotation with car salesmen. Especially especially in used car lot. Well, it was a new deal. It was new, yeah. It's still, there's a bad connotation with uh, people in the sales industry, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, they're a salesperson. But I remember, I mean, his mannerisms were fantastic. Like, he opened the door for me. You know, it was very kind. He was he was just very polite. And I remembered him from that one little, you know, kind of connection. And, and now that she really knows me, I'm probably really not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he doesn't open my door for me anymore. Hell no. (laughs) You're hearing a good old husband and wife (laughs) podcast here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Go ahead. So anyway, so, you know, the one thing that I really respect about Mark is that he, I think he could literally sell snowballs to people in Alaska. Or, you know, I don't know, sand to people in Florida. I don't know. But he he really has a knack with with selling. And after, you know, we started dating and and stuff like that, I started realizing that, you know, he really had a gift. And I think that it's something that a lot of people in the interior design industry, um, we, we are all creatives. And we all are, you know, some of us don't have that much of a business background, so to speak. And what's one thing that no one ever teaches you in college or in any kind of situation, any kind of design school is how to sell, how to sell. And if you can be the most creative person on the planet and you can't sell, you ain't got nothing, do you? You nope. you have nothing because nope. if you can't sell it, and I tell a lot of interior designers that want to be interior designers, young girls, I said, number one, I hope you like math. And number two, I hope you know how to sell. Sell and market because if you can't sell what you are, you know, putting out there, then you, I mean, you have no income. So I, I think that with Mark's, you know, all of his experience, I think he's going to share a lot of great things today. So 
Um, what is your first memory of selling something, Mark? Good question. Wow, I'm going way back. I think I started with like Rainbows or Kirby's or something. Talk about <laughs> a rough gig going door to door. And there's always had to be a hook. They like a hook. Like you enter them in for a raffle or something, then you try to get an appointment. You go into someone's home, you know, that that's a tough gig for your first sales job. I mean, yeah. you get usually land it on your ear a lot of times. So I remember one time I got chased out of a guy's house, you know. <laughs> it was and it was in like uh backwoods Kentucky. It was just it was, it was a it was a different situation there and you know I didn't know if he was gonna get his gun out on me or what. <laughs> I didn't say anything or do anything that I could think of that would offended him. The only thing is, you know, I asked for a sale. Um maybe he felt like I was pressuring him. I don't know, but that's some we'll touch base on here later in the segment. Yeah. So what did they tell you? Like when you were going into Kirby school? <laughs> there wasn't really a school. I mean, it was just throw you the wolves. You followed somebody that knew the ropes and they taught you what they knew. And that could be good and bad. I mean. So were you going just door to door at that time? Mm-hmm. Or were you, did you have to call fan, friends and family members? Oh, they wanted you to call friends and family. That's the whole racket, if you will. Um, they don't expect you to pretty much have a longevity in the business. They figure if they can get you and get your friends and family, then you kind of die, die out when you do the harder stuff. They still, um, they made their money on yeah, you. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, needless to say, I didn't long, live long in that either because I figured out that wasn't for me. I went into the car business and yeah. I got some kind of formal training when I first got into that. Um, they had steps of the sale and all that. And, you know, I, I've been kind of a, uh, I don't know, a student of sales. I've read books and listened to, you know, tapes and all that i'm showing my age now (laughs) cassette tapes (laughs) yeah i listened listened to all the stuff you know and learned kind of self-learned but um, who who was your favorite if you think back your favorite like sales now i'm gonna be showing my age um i like brian tracy and zig ziglar yes and then there's another guy tom something i don't remember peters no oh okay that's okay. Not him. Oh, no. okay. Because there is a Tom Peters, um, Jeffrey Gitmer. No, I, I I read his stuff too. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. 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 So, what do you think is your? I mean, what's your sales philosophy? Well, it's changed over the years. Okay, so when I first started, especially in the car business, it was like you know they wanted to put that customer in what's called a pressure cooker. Huh. I what? mean, it was pretty much, you know, like, like I don't know if you ever seen that, like, Boiler Room, you know, that movie. That movie. You guys should watch that movie, Boiler Room. You'll get an education. But anyways, um, you know, it was all high-pressure tactics and stuff. And, you know, I followed the steps they had me do, and I did pretty well at it. I did very well in the car business. I just, you know, probably wonder, well, you're still in? No, I'm not. I got out. I've been in the business I'm in now for 15 or 16 years. I own my own business. I do credit card processing. Boy, I really love those uh, high competitive fields. I'll tell you, it's a challenge. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I got tired of working for somebody else. And then, you know, they tell you what hours you have to work and where you're going to work. And you're at the mercy of you know, whoever you work for to get your leads from. Yeah. Which I decided I wanted to take the bull by the horns and, and do it myself. I didn't yeah. want any limits. 
So there are a lot of interior designers that are starting out that listen to this podcast. And I, I know that you said, listen to boiler room and, you know, oh, read some books or whatever, but could you give the, the Mark ABCs on how, like, how do you get clients? Well, sure. I'd love to. <laughs> okay. So take the mic. I got to take the mic. Okay. Everybody. <laughs> I have a pretty simple sales philosophy. It's evolved over the years, and you'll probably find out with your sales career. That means that you're growing. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with starting off and then being totally different than when you started because you evolved and learned. Um, that's how we learn to get better. So my philosophy now, and I, I find it to be very effective, um, where I, not, I don't try to be the salesperson. I know that sounds weird. Like, what? You don't try to be a salesperson? Well, no, because... The way I approach people, and I deal with most, I deal with all businesses, not general public, but business owners. So, um, you know, I'm just polite. I, I remember the mayors I was taught as a kid. That's the first thing. Um, you know, and I try to treat them the way I want to be treated. Um, people know when you're genuine or not. And that's probably the one thing that could be your Achilles heel if someone goes, you go in somewhere and they find out you're not genuine or sensitive. Right. That's very important. Because you can you can tell. You can really tell when someone's not being genuine. Exactly. And it, it works against you if you're not. And I think the car business people... <laughs> they need to learn example. that one. Yeah. I think anybody in any sales profession needs to learn that. The salespeople have a bad connotation. So... I try to be, I do my best to be polite and I'm genuine, you know, and truthful, you know. Because you have to believe in your product. You have to believe in your product, but more importantly is, well, you got me off track here. I'm sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> so we were talking about genuine and um, polite and also telling people what they need to know. Okay. So in my industry, which is credit card processing, um, by the way, here's my plug. You know, they're talking about wanting to monetize the, uh, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an agent with Car Connect Central Ohio. Um, yeah, first data company. Um, you know, check us out for your, or we have great rates. Um, and I'll tell you what you need to know. But it's so many people in my industry that I'm in now, and I've been doing this for 15, 60 years, they try to hide things. It's like, oh, we don't have a, they tell them we don't have a contract, and there is, because it's buried in the fine print. Uh, there's certain, you know, tell me anything about the, this thing called PCI compliance and these can be cost related. So a lot of salespeople try to hide cost. It's not like they're not going to find out. Come on. The customer yeah. finds out they're going to be mad and True. guess what? You're going to lose them um, yeah. because they caught you, you know, you lose your credibility. I'm not going to say caught in a lie, but it was just omitted. That's the, that's the big thing that salespeople try to do think they'll get away with it and you never get away with it well and i have to you know kind of butt in so to speak and say that in our industry there are a lot of like shipping and handling and our time and mm -hmm. things like that that we we don't know whether to um show the customer like okay here's what freight is this is what my time is so and probably you build the, that into the your probably, price the probably the best thing to do is you're right you probably don't have to show them an itemized but you need to convey that cost to them. Mm -hmm. That customer needs to know before they sign up or sign on the line or agree. They need to know what they're getting into. 
Because one thing that will kill deal, I mean, you imagine you've done all this hours of work. Yeah. You got all this product and, you know, you probably paid for it from your vendors to get in. Then you get to the customer and you didn't relay it to them and they're shocked at the cost and they pretty much blow up on you. And you're stuck with all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, and yeah. that's because the cost and things weren't relayed to the customer right. up front. Right. I'm really big on up front, being up mm-hmm. front, mm-hmm. and in between the eyes. It's, you know, it's it's like a Band-Aid. I know everybody kind of chokes when it gets to that portion of their presentation. Just rip it off like a Band-Aid. Yep. Like it's nobody's business. Just, you know, bam, there it is. Yep. And then you'll be surprised. I mean, you'll be surprised at the customer's reaction. You're thinking they're going to react one way, but they may not. Um, there's one thing also is about qualifying your customer. Yes. Okay, so find a budget. So I'm going to give you an analogy. So the customer doesn't know what their budget is, and we all heard that one, Yeah, right? how many times? Like every there, time. Nobody has a budget. So you know what you do? You show them the Cadillac or the Lincoln Navigator, the highest price thing you got. <laughs> and then you watch them kind of, you know, head towards the roof a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got to do is you got to peel them off the ceiling at that point. Now, <laughs> you got to find out real quick where their budget is. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's a wide swath between, you know, high end, low end. You'd be surprised to know that a lot of people are probably going to end up somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Give you an analogy. They looked at the Cadillac. You got to pull them off the ceiling and you found out they really needed a Fiesta. <laughs> right? <laughs> that so, happened to me yesterday, actually. Right? So what, and what happens a lot of times is... You know, you start presenting, and they may settle on mid-range. Like, you, they might get the Explorer. You never know. I mean, mm-hmm. and I hate to use cars as an analogy, but that's the best way I could probably think to yeah. relay the meaning of this. Yes. Um, the other thing, too, is as far as pre-qualifying your customer, I sound like an old man, um, in my years of experience. <laughs> so, um, I usually can sum up my customer when I first meet them within about five seconds. I've because I've honed that skill. I know what I'm dealing with. I, and I can't describe it. It's just something ingrained within me that I can sum up what that customer's about. And I'm not right all the time. I mean, nobody is. But, you know, know who your their personality traits are. And you can usually sum them up pretty quick. I mean, you kind of get to know the person a little bit. So that way you know how to approach them. Mm-hmm. That's going to come out really big to your advantage. Mm-hmm. When that happens, so there's a lot of psychology with selling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was going to also say that I always try to find some common ground with the customer. Exactly. That's, you know. Yeah. Build, you know, build common ground with them. Um, here's an old saying, uh, telling ain't selling. So what that <laughs> means is, you know, a lot of salespeople like to talk, do all the talking, do all the talking. Well, ask questions to the customer. You want the customer to talk. You don't want to talk True. that much. Yeah. Ask them questions. And those are what I call pre-qualifying questions. That may be what kind of fabric color do you like? Yeah. What, you know, what texture do you like? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, your industry, mm-hmm. find out what their likes and dislikes are. Mm-hmm. Selling ain't telling. Or telling ain't selling. I got it wrong, yeah. see? Yeah. And, <laughs> but, you know, you want the customer to do 
probably 75% or more of the talking. Yeah. If you can. Well, and I have, I have a sheet of paper and it, it's a client interview. So the first time that they call in, we actually talk to our customers over the phone most of the time. Find out their needs because they're going to yeah. tell you how yeah. to sell them. Yeah. Oh, true, true. And the other thing, too, is don't make it seem like you're selling because people hate to be sold. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you do that? Well, you ask the questions, and that's going to show you genuine concern for their what they want, mm-hmm. what their needs and wants are. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it pre-qualifying. So... I'm going to go back to Sewing 101 on, on you guys. Please forgive me, but there's a little acronym I know. A couple of them I'm going to tell you about today. Yeah. Um, I'm going to sound like a pot-smoking hippie, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's FAB, man. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what these things are. FAB stands for Features, Advantages, and Benefits. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing, okay? So when you're selling something that you have, tell them about the features, Tell them about the advantages of it, as opposed to other things out there, and the benefits for that customer. Not just the benefits in general, but where it meets the customer's needs. And then man, okay, so that's another one. Uh, For a person to um, buy something, they have to have the money, they have to have the authority to buy it, and the need for it. So those things I just told you about, those are going to be very valuable. They sound very elementary, 101. But, you know, let's face it, we've been through a year almost of COVID. Yeah. And I'm used to traveling all over the place, talking to different business clients. You know, I do cold calling still. I like to do that sort well, of thing. Well, I was going to say, let's talk you, about you just prospecting. just interrupted me. Yeah. I know. We said, Pro- we're segueing to prospecting. Prospecting, yeah. So um, now I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> So we're talking about prospecting COVID. Um, you know, COVID's been kind of weird for everybody, needless to say. For me, um, it's I've stayed off the road. I haven't went on as much on the road unless it was a need, an emergency. So I deal with that sort of thing. My client, client needs something. So, you know, terminal's not working. Point of sale's not working. Something's not working. Guess who has to go out and see them? Me. But yeah. that's something I do also service i believe in service to my customer so with prospecting um i've gotten a little rusty i found so what i usually do when i find myself rusty in my sales skills i go back to the basics and you'd be surprised you know maybe even practice your spiel uh you know in the mirror i know it sounds crazy but it works just to get home back up and get your confidence built back up because, I mean, you know, COVID, people are having psychological problems and everything from this mess. Mental. Me- yeah, I mean, mental, psychological mm-hmm. issues from it. Because we haven't socialized that much. Maybe on the phone, but that's not the same as meeting somebody in person. So rehome those skills. Practice. Go back to basics. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what spiel, what, you know, how you greet, you know, that's something else to think, how you greet the customer. That's your first impression of you to that customer first impressions are a big deal mm-hmm. so practice that yeah what about how you dress and how you present yourself well okay so a lot of people in my industry like to suit up you know in the tie and all that stuff well i deal all different walks of all different walks of life all different business types if i wore the suit and tie let's say into a tire store i'd probably get shown the door yep you know especially in some of the towns i go to you know you know, they don't trust the banker, you know, it's, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
<laughs> I mean, uh, just put it out there. So you're always best kind of mimic what your client is wearing. I mean, if they're wearing a suit, wear a suit. If, you know, well, I should say dress too. I don't mean to sound sexist or anything, but, um, you know, kind of match. If it's business casual, match business casual. Yeah. You know, if you're meeting at home, though, you should dress a little bit nicer. Don't just go in your sweats and flip-flops or whatever. Mm-hmm. Look like you're going to Walmart, you know, the <laughs> pajama pants and stuff. You know, you know, we've all seen them. But, um, you know, match that customer. Maybe business casual is acceptable nowadays. You know, I've seen people wear jeans to work, but I'm not, you know, I don't think I would do that. I'd try to go a little step above that. Yeah. Chip and Joanna Gaines kind of work in jeans, and they they've got that kind of farmhouse. They can that's rock their, that. That's they can rock. Yeah, that, they have a marketing scheme. Yeah, like, and that's cool. And you know? sometimes, like if it, that is your look, that's what you sell. That's what you want people to know you as. Then you dress like that. Yeah, let me qualify this because you know in my industry it's a little different probably than you know anybody else's. Mm-hmm. All, all of our industries are different. So, you know, go with the industry norm. Now, if you're going to an older person's house, probably a good idea to, you know, dress a little nicer. Yeah. But if you're going to preview a young younger person's house, you might get you might get away with rocking the jeans or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Danny wears flip flops and sweatpants and <laughs> Well, he can he can do that. He's Danny, he can rock that, you know. <laughs> Danny can do, and that's why he's not here tonight. Today he's having a Danny day, so <laughs> we're just trying to fill in for for him for the time being. So. Yeah, we're just fluff. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! Well, so what turns you off a, a salesperson? Like, let's. Oh, talk you about- are you are you know the answer to that question. What turns me off? Oh. Oh, <laughs> here it comes. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So I feel my philosophy is when a customer needs you, you become available. Now, you might not be available that very minute they call, but you get better get back with them before the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. I, we that, had an example just we have recently. A, we have a few examples of that. I'm not saying no names. I'm protecting the not so innocent. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, when a customer calls, it's acceptable, you know, if as soon as you're done with whatever you're doing or the, or the you know, the presentation, because it's also rude to answer the phone in front of another client. You know, I just, I never, I like to give the client I'm in front of that 100% attention. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the client appreciates that, that you're genuine and you, you know, you value them and it's just good manners. But get a hold of that customer that left you the message or called you because some of them won't leave a message. Get back with them um, right away as soon as you can. That's my philosophy. And it's good customer service. It's going to show that you're going to follow up with them or you're going to follow through with the job you're going to do for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. That, it, it leaves so much of an impression that, you know, I can't explain it all off the top of my head, but I know it's going to leave a lasting impression. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my biggest pet peeves. It, it taking two days to get back with me or three days or never, that doesn't sit well with me. Right. See, and a lot of people, I think they're very intimidated by interior designers. I mean, when I when I go into a home, I can see people are nervous. And, you know, they they are like, don't look at here. Don't look at there. Don't look at this room. This I, I hear that a lot too. You know, I go to a lot of stores and, 
you know, there's dust on their counters. It's, you know, they, I know they don't clean underneath, but you know, I'm like, I don't judge. You know, yeah. I tell them I've seen worse, you know, yeah. and yeah. they kind of laugh it off, you know, and it just kind of takes the, the stillness out of the room or whatever, the yeah. tension, if yeah. you will. Yeah, always try to find that common ground. Joke a little bit if you can. Absolutely. Yeah. If and you gotta test your, your customer's personality. If you know if you, it's okay to joke, if they're really stern, you know you might want to be a little careful. I mean, you might be able to crack a give them a crack a smile a little bit, but joking, I do that a lot too. I just have fun with it, and that's probably relax and have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crystal said the other day, some somebody was leaving. And she goes, well, have fun. And I said, have fun? I said, what are you talking about? She goes, Linda, if you're not having fun, then what are you doing it for? Yeah, you got to like what you do. I mean. Yeah. And I think that's what the, the crux of this is like it all begins with that, that first thing that we were talking about. It's like be genuine. So if you're not genuinely happy with what you're doing, it's going to show through. And if you're just doing this job just to get by to do something else, it's going to show through. So I think that, you know, a lot of people tell me that, you know, they enjoy, you know, being around me. They enjoy being around you, Mark. Mm. They enjoy being around Danny because we all actually love what we do. Well, most of the time. I (laughs) I mean, there's always those people that... And, and to circle back to, um, you know, follow up what you said about throwing people on the ceiling, I actually had um, something similar like that. A customer did not know what she wanted to spend in a kitchen remodel, and I told her it was going to be 41000 for the kitchen cabinets, no countertops, no hardware, no sink, no faucets, and no appliances, and she thought I was crazy and had five eyes. Yeah, but the thing is, she she was wanting to custom, right? And yeah. you were doing semi-custom, so yeah. she had no real concept of what the price was were. I mean, I right. you asked me, and I could, I guessed wrong, too. I said, Mark, how much do you <laughs> think our custom... Like, we have a nice kitchen, and it's custom cabinets. And I said to him, how much do you think it would cost to change out our kitchen cabinets and get new custom cabinets and tell, tell them what you said. I thought it was about $10,000. <laughs> I just And she laughed. laughed at me and I looked at her and she kept laughing at me. I'm like, what, what? So then she told me the real price. What was the real price? What, what like would it 41, be? 41,000, 40 to 50,000, yes. For custom, custom. Yes, right? okay. yes. So then you're right, you know right there that, you know, maybe that customer wasn't prepared for that in their budget, you might want to find an alternative form, right? Yeah, or you educate. You educate. Where you start to educate and talk about the features, advantages, and benefits Mm -hmm. of all the different things that are in a custom cabinet. But the thing is, I'm going to stop you right there. If they can't afford that, you can't afford it. You're just selling something they can't afford. It's going to get worse. Right. But what I did was... It's time to change gears. Yeah. Show them something else. What I told the customers, this is semi-custom. Like custom is the best, semi-custom is the next one down. I can do- go to stock cabinets, and she said I need it to be twenty thousand dollars. There you, you know? go. You so I got budget. a budget, you know. And then I did this not like three weeks ago. I went to a person's house, and they said I want you know window treatments in this whole room, and I I had come up with a like. And at kind of a high, medium to high range price for 
like swags and jabos in a room and I, you know, or a more elaborate window treatment. And I, I thought it was like $200 a foot, a running foot across the room. So once I measured, I figured up how many feet and I just said, and I, at, in my head, did the 200 times the feet. And I said, so the price will be around $8,000. And she said, I only wanted to spend 3500 But Ooh. that was, bef- I had asked her if she had a budget before. And she said no. And she said no. So it's a good way to pull things out of people. Well, and it's like, we're making it sound like the customer's dishonest, which in no. case, that's not the case. They don't know. Because I misguessed what our cabinets would cost right. to have them replaced. I had no concept. Right. And that's the way a lot of people have no concept right. of what things cost today. They probably going off of 30 years ago. Right. Well, there's inflation. Things change. Prices change. So that that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess to sum up this, uh, the podcast today, it's just be genuine and when you are with a customer, make sure you're going through all the details so you are explaining to them what they're getting. What you know, be be their advocate for what? Ask them questions. Get yes. them to talk. Ask lots of questions. Tell it ain't selling. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mark, for your time today and you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, and thanks for having me. And if you need credit card process, I'm going to plug my business. Yeah. Hard Connect Central Ohio, phone number 614-206-8332. We have a lot of great things for interior designers and the home home industry um, services as well. And and selling on site. Yeah, selling on site. Virtual terminals, you know, we have a pretty neat thing with that. Um, Invoicing, that sort of thing. So if you're interested, give me a call. Yep. And we thank Mark for being our sponsor for today's podcast. (laughs) And you guys have a great day and we will see you next week. Bye.